Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening to localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is Management Decisions, a podcast designed to break down a variety of topics that may affect employers and upper management. Now, I'm sure you've heard about employers being in a war for talent and that there is a quote-unquote talent shortage that they're all dealing with. One HR and recruitment professional wonders how much of the shortage is actually true and what is fiction. Janine Truitt has nearly a decade of experience in this area, and she's also created Talent Think Innovations, where she helps businesses bring in that best talent we're talking about. Janine, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So, as I mentioned, a topic that is, I think, pretty popular and top of mind for a lot of people. So let's jump right into that idea. In general terms, this idea of a talent shortage What exactly is your take on that being valid? So the talent shortage, I won't say that some businesses or that we're not experiencing a talent shortage in certain areas, but I think by and large the high enough hype that's behind the talent shortage is probably a little hyped up more than it should be. Mm -hmm. I think businesses have a lot of burden to bear and the reasons why they may be experiencing shortages and getting the right talent on board with them. There are various different reasons for that. Uh, We obviously know, you know, due to the things that have gone on in the past five to six years that there's still a lot of people that are unemployed. And from my, where I sit as a recruitment professional, a lot of those people are viable individuals that could be employed by companies, but they're not being. So you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, is the company just kind of throwing this out there to make it seem like the problem's worse than it is? Sure. Or, you know, is there a true shortage? Well, I think that's the question that would come up is, okay, if, if there isn't necessarily this major shortage, and as you said, in some industries it, it's very legitimate, why would an employer put that out there as sort of a, a propaganda piece? Or, I mean, does it help them in any way? Does it Does it allow them leeway? I mean, what would be the benefit to them sort of putting that out there when it's not necessarily 100% accurate? Well, I think it just kind of gives them a crutch to not have to look at some of their shortcomings. I mean, there are some valid reasons why businesses have had to kind of cut back due to, you know, certain economic constraints. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what I've found with candidates, and this is even true of top candidates, is people really just want to contribute. Okay. At the end of the day, I right. mean, it's yes, they want salary, yes, they want benefits, they want perks, but I mean, if they've essentially gone into a field because they, you know, were interested in that particular field, they want to contribute in some meaningful way. And obviously, yes, they have to be remunerated some way, but if you're honest about what you can offer, then people can kind of work with that. They know what they're dealing with, but a lot of companies, you know, aren't that forthcoming and they, they don't say, you know, what the real deal is when you're walking through. And so that's why you hear a lot about employment branding, another buzzword. Mm. But really what it gets down to at the crux of that issue is where employers just haven't been all the way honest with people. And, you know, a weekend or six months and people get in to find a very different situation than what was promoted. So, you know, it, it just it comes down to really employer shortcomings and I'm not really wanting to be forthcoming with, you know, this is who we are, this is what we can offer kind of thing. And in some cases, it's them trying to contain what they believe their culture is and not having to kind of bend with what the demands are and and bringing in, you know, new people and kind of keeping this whole diversity and inclusion thing in mind. And I don't mean that just from a racial standpoint. I mean that you know, in experience and age and, and so many different things. So when you talk about, and I was going to bring that up, the idea of organizations being honest with themselves, I mean, do you think 
there's a financial component to it as as in you know well if you want the top talent you're going to have to pay versus you know wanting an individual to maybe take on three four different roles to sort of have that um, you know keep that those options open and keep the budget lower I mean where do you find the financial aspect plays a role the financial aspect is huge and some of it is just companies are afraid I think they, they know what the shortcomings are they know that budgets have been cut tremendously mm-hmm. or revenue isn't what it is and so they're they're playing with a smaller hand <clears throat> in terms of being able to garner that top talent or talent in general so they get a little reluctant um, and this was even in good times I found companies were just reluctant always to say this is what our hand is and kind of deal it and obviously there's some pros and cons to it but I guess they don't want to they rather cast a wider net based on this idea that you could make this much without saying, well, yeah, the range is, let's say, 50 to 70 grand. Right. We're really not able to bring in somebody higher than 60, but we'll put it out there as 50 to 70, or we won't put it out at all, and we'll just let people come, mm-hmm. and then we'll tell them later. So you know, it's like these kinds of nuances and games that they play, but they, I mean, they all essentially know what they're dealing with when they go into it. And the companies that are usually more um, know that they have a a better hand to deal with, they're going to be the ones that are willing to put it out. They'll be the ones that you'll see salaries on the job descriptions or on their postings and stuff. But if you don't see it, it, not necessarily meaning that they won't give you what you want, but it it should be almost a, a red flag sense or something to watch for talent that perhaps they're not able to offer all that you think they are. That is, it is interesting. It fits into line with items we've talked about and um, even what we do, some of what we do at Local Job Network is you know, we help employers find that match. And to your point, not putting some sort of at least a range out there does seem to discourage individuals. I mean, if you were speaking to employers out there, do you think that's a, a big part of it is being as transparent as you can with what you can offer? Absolutely. I mean, because again, for some people, and again, looking at this from the purview of what has gone on in the past, you know, five, 10 years, people that never expected to be unemployed are now unemployed. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking like from your janitors and custodians up to top tier CFOs and and these kinds. I mean, it was a, a real awakening for a lot of people. So after they got past the whole ego of I will get a job exactly like what I've done my entire life Mm -hmm. and continue that. And until they'd had to go pick up a job at like the local supermarket, now a lot of them have kind of gotten the message and they're like, okay, just get me to work. I got to pay my bills. I've got to make ends meet. So you'd be shocked to, you know, a lot of these employees would be shocked to find that some of these people are willing to take much less than what they would have in their previous lives. And, and they bring a value. I mean, regardless of where they were before, they bring a value and they're willing to contribute. Let's touch a little bit on that idea of contributing and the idea of talent. Um, you had mentioned essentially there being three tiers of employees, and this was in an article that um, you had written that I, I read. Can you describe a little bit just briefly for the listeners what those tiers are and what maybe the differences that employers are looking at when you're talking about these levels of, of talent or, or employees? So my belief is that, you know, you have these three tiers of talent within your organization. So we talk a lot and there's tons of talk about top talent and yes, they're needed. And your top talent are 
pretty much the people that are going to go above and beyond what you expect of them. So the standard is obviously what the job is and what you expect of them in terms of job duties and responsibilities. But these people are the ones that are going to look for solutions to other issues. They're going to see problems as opportunities. They're going to always be trying to raise the bar with regard to their duties and responsibilities within the organization. So that's your top tier. And Mm -hmm. they're probably like 2% say in the organization and then you have your operational people and these are people that you don't hear much about but they're absolutely essential because these are the people that are going to show up at nine o'clock they're going to leave at five o'clock whether you like it or not but (laughs) between nine and five they're going to be productive Mm -hmm. they're going to get their job done they're going to get it done to the best of their ability but they're not much interested in solving high-level strategic problems maybe. It's it's just not in their line. But they'll keep you operational. They'll keep things going. You need those people. Right. So they're extremely valuable. So they're like your, from a performance standpoint, they're like your meet standards people. And then you're going to have those, obviously, that are going to want to fly below the radar. That's your third tier. Those are the ones that are going to do just the bare minimum to help you think or believe that they're actually contributing to the organization. Um, They may even be undermining your organization right under your nose, and you just have no idea that this is going on. But they're they're less ideal. I mean, they don't, they're not, they may not necessarily take away, but they're not adding any value really either. They're just kind of surviving. And those are the ones that you, you kind of have to monitor and decide how much of that you want in your ecosystem at your organization. So the the top two, I mean, it's really the crux of your organization and what keeps it going from my standpoint. Do you feel then with, you know, this idea of a gap or a talent shortage, is that because employers are, I mean, always looking, of course you want the best talent. I'm not saying you should ever necessarily settle, but is it getting to a point or has it gotten to a point where they're being so choosy and looking for that, you know, two, three percent that you, you talked about, that they're overlooking that that middle tier and that's what's possibly creating at least the idea of a talent gap? Absolutely. Absolutely. Most organizations now want this almost like pseudo God that's (laughs) going to walk on water when they walk in. Nobody, I mean, virtually most organizations don't want to train and develop anymore. Whereas years ago, you would see help wanted signs and you'd say, you know, we'll train these kinds of, this has pretty much gone away. And Mm -hmm. when you look at a lot of job descriptions, they write it such that you wonder who it is they're exactly looking for and whether this person exists. So they are being way too choosy. One of the battles I encounter all the time is having to bring hiring managers down to earth and say, I get that this is what would be ideal, but these are desirable. Let's, Let's get to what is essential for this person to be successful in the job and let's go after that and when you go after that then you're going to start to get those operational people who are as i said extremely valuable right i mean top tier for me are more of a key critical succession planning kind of want so you want those people from a succession standpoint because you need leaders you need people that can succeed the company and and kind of continue on in that way innovation those those all those things that are necessary to keep a business afloat but i mean your operational people without them 
you basically cease to exist because most of those top tier people, their their heads are so high in the rafters mm-hmm. in terms of what they're thinking about achieving and what they think the business should be doing. They can't be bothered with the minutia. So who's going to be bothered with the minutia? Right. The the lower tier people that don't really care and it's just <laughs> kind of going with the flow. So you need tons of operational people ideally to to run the business and and keep it successful so i mean to your point yes they i think a lot of businesses are missing the mark and and so there's a perceived notion that they're experiencing a shortage and people just don't know but one piece of it is that they're not paying attention to the people right in front of their face and two you got to get back to training and developing people i mean it's it's really that simple, and I think I touched on that in that piece as well. Do you see that as possibly being the biggest mistake when you're looking to close this gap or find that talent, or would you point to something else that you would argue, you know, this is really the the issue, the the disconnect between what we're looking for with employers and job seekers? A training and development is huge. I mean, even for the most savvy professional joining your company, how do they assimilate themselves into your company? Mm-hmm. They, I mean, you can be in the same field. You can be in finance for years, but one finance company A is not the same as finance company B, and the way that finance company A does their business is not necessarily how B does it. So you're not necessarily setting people up for success by not giving them some basis of training. So, I mean, it obviously can vary, but there has to be some kind of initial training there has to be some kind of ongoing training to make sure that people's acumen are kept up to par. And essentially where you have people that are eager and want to be developed, you have to kind of give those options to people. Otherwise, they're flight risk, all of them. Mm-hmm. And that's from operational right up to top tier. So it, it's one of those things, you know, I guess in an HR, from an HR budgeting standpoint, if you've got cuts going on, you're not going to cut talent acquisition you're not maybe going to cut benefits if you don't have to. Training and development was kind of one of those outliers like, well, it's nice that we train and it's <laughs> nice that we develop, but we're kind of tight right now. <laughs> so we're going to cut there. And yes, there there are some things you can cut in that area. Maybe, you know, it was that free training that you gave to everybody where they got free certification. Mm-hmm. Fine, cut that. But the things that are most essential to this person being successful in their job, how do you cut that right. and, and still remain viable as a company and keep your people viable? I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. Well, Jenny, we definitely appreciate the conversation and talking about this. I think it's always an important topic to touch on, especially we're looking at it sort of this side from the employers and maybe helping change the perspective a little bit. As we look to wrap up here, we always like to give our guests the last opportunity to give the listeners a final takeaway from the conversation. Anything you'd want to offer up maybe in terms of advice or something you want to emphasize based on what we talked about? It's sort of your floor here at the end of the show. So I think the advice I have is mostly for employers, and, and that's just that if something's not working or if you feel like there's a shortage, perhaps you need to look at yourself. And I don't mean this pejoratively, but be always looking at your processes, always looking to see how you can improve things. Don't be afraid to ask the talent that you have hired if you're doing right by them. I think that's important. And you may be surprised at some of the answers that you get, and and it may in turn help you change the way you do things going forward. Certainly don't, you know, shy away from people that seem overqualified. This is my plug for the talent. Overqualified just has no place in this current economy. Everybody's overqualified and they're underemployed. So, 
I think boys have to really look at how they're they're looking at the whole talent landscape and kind of shift their thinking. I think that was very well put and a great way to finish up this episode of Management Decisions as we've been tackling the idea of a talent shortage versus possibly the role employers take when it comes to finding that said talent. Our expert guest today has been Janine Truitt, and you can find more information about her and her organization, Talent Think Innovations, and you can find that at talentthinkinnovations.com. Janine, thanks again for sharing your perspective with us. We do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was great. And, of course, we also want to hear from the listeners as well. Just shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.